0: I think it was a little bit of serendipity because what if I didn't participate in that community call? And what if I didn't reach out and throw my name in the hat to say that I might be interested and Ms. might not have called to say, why did he think of me for this recruiting opportunity? And I'm fortunate that he did, but I honestly think it was just timing, like being in the right place at the right time and really just putting yourself out there for things that you actually care about.
1: I'm Ben Grenell, part of the Early Startup team here at Levels. We're building tech that helps people to understand their metabolic health, and this is your front row seat to everything we do. This is a whole new level. Serendipitous occurring or discovered by chance in a happy or beneficial way. That is the definition of serendipitous when you Google it. Well, how does that relate to Levels? How does that relate to this episode? For Michelle Lass, Michelle has been helping us for almost a year now with her recruiting efforts. Serendipitously, we connected through a community call. Serendipitously, she started using Levels because her partner was using it too. There were a lot of life changes that took course for Michelle as she started to focus on her health and wellness. In early March, we had a call, a community call, where she showed up just to give some feedback on her experience, talk about the way that she felt about the product, what she was using. And so Michelle reached out after the community call and said, hey, if you're ever looking for some help with recruiting, it's something that I've done for the past 20 plus years. At the time, it was one of those things that was on the horizon, but it wasn't quite something we were ready for. So Ms. Michael Mizrahi, head of operations, he and Michelle connected and they had a conversation. What could she do to help us? When would we need this role? And why would we bring somebody on to take on that workload? Once we started working with Michelle, which we did, it was quite impactful the way that she managed all the inbound candidates been very grateful, very fortunate to have a strong pipeline of talent from all over the world who's interested in working with Levels and because we want to be closely connected with everyone. We don't want to drop balls. We want to make sure that people are receiving messages back, knowing that we got their applications, knowing that we appreciate the interest they've expressed in what we're building. That's where Michelle came in. Like many people with Levels, well, it all started with being a community member. Here's where we kick things off. The storyline and the thread is really interesting because you were a Levels member and first became connected to the company in a more intimate sense, if you want to call it that, through community. And right. That's where I think where we first met was a community call. And we were just talking generally about Levels and the experience. and From there, I don't think Ms. was on that call.
0: No, it was just you and Sam.
1: Yeah. And we had exchanged emails after and just talked briefly about your story. And here we are in 2022, February of 2022. And you've been helping us for, gosh, it feels like two years, but you've been helping us with all of our recruiting efforts and leading the pipeline with that. So yeah, it'd be interesting to dig into your story, the path to levels and take it from there.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a backstory and I could start with that because I feel like that's sort of how we got to this actual day. So I started using levels, I think maybe around January, or February, right? Of 2020 or what are we at? No, 2021. <laughs> uh, and so a I, years ago, <laughs> yeah, the timeline during this pandemic has actually been a little warped for me and most people, I think. So started using it the beginning of last year. And then, you know, there was the opportunity to do these community calls. And I said, you know, it's early on. If I have a chance to talk about the product and kind of get more information, share my experience, why not? So I actually learned about levels from my boyfriend who had been using it. And he was following this. I think he heard about it on someone else's podcast who was promoting it. And I said, gosh, this data is so interesting. Let me get it too, because I've been digging into the health space for at that point, probably a year and a half at that point. And so when we had the opportunity to talk to you and Sam, and it was actually a pretty intimate group, which was pretty nice to just share ideas, kind of get your feedback, get asked questions about the product. And then I think it was Sam or you maybe said, you know, at the end of the call, if anyone's, you know, if you know anyone who's interested in levels, were are growing, reach out. And at the time, and I'll go back to that, I wasn't working. I was focusing on my path, like a new career path. And I said, you know what, I have time. Let me use my previous experience, throw it out there to them and see if they'll bite. Because I loved what Levels was all about. I loved the mission behind it, what they were focused on. And in my head, I said, well, the worst they could say is no. And I think I I emailed you. Then you put me in touch with Ms., head of operations, and we chatted. And that was, I think, in March, maybe. And then, you know, we had a good conversation at a Zoom just like this one, just to kind of dig into my background. and then. He said, okay, well, if something comes up, we'll let you know. And at the time I said, okay, great. I didn't think anything of it because I said that was nice of them to entertain the call. And I said, okay, nothing's probably going to come out of this. And then I want to say two or three months later, Ms. reaches out to me and he says, hey, we're growing. Besides me, I don't have help with the recruiting pipeline and we we actually need some help. Would you be interested in working? And at the time I said, I could do part-time or contract work. I'm happy to pitch in just to kind of get some experiences at a startup. And I said, sure, why not? So it was a kind of a nice segue to kind of dabble into what I was focusing on, but also using my previous career skills.
1: Yeah. And your story up to levels, I know you've shared a little bit about it, but Mm -hmm. there was a point where you changed your lens on health and wellness. And it'd be interesting if you want to go there to frame that a little bit more and what Got you thinking about this. Huh? Talk a little bit about your backstory, career-wise. Mm. Your backstory with health and wellness, the journey there. And
0: yeah, of go, course,
1: go as deep and as far back as you want to. Take us, yeah, of course, to childhood.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to go that far back back in my childhood. What can't say that it was that interesting, but let's see. Back in summer of 2018, my husband passed away suddenly at 43, and that was basically what triggered the last couple of years of my life to sort of rethink everything. So a short backstory on that, we had been out to dinner for my 43rd birthday on a Friday night. And this was a really busy time. I worked as a recruiter, director of recruiting at a big law firm in a corporate law firm in New York city. And at the time it was like, I'd been working there for 16 years. So we were out on a Friday night for my birthday had a nice dinner in the city, as couples typically do, you know, you eat and you drink. And then Saturday morning, I woke up to the sounds of, at the time, I didn't know this, but he was essentially taking his last breaths. So I woke up to sounds, I thought he was dreaming, and then I kind of turned over, tried to kind of jostle him into waking up, and I realized really quickly that it wasn't a drink. I jumped out of bed and I'm not gonna, you know, put all the details in in this conversation, but I did what I thought I was supposed to do. You know, I called 911. I'm like, something's really wrong. We need to figure out, we need to get someone here as soon as possible. And when you're waiting for someone to come help you, you feel like you're waiting forever. And that's what it felt like. And honestly, I, you know, I basically watched him gasping for breath. And that might be a little bit too much detail for some people, but that's what it was. So we go to the hospital and I'm basically waiting in the waiting room, not knowing what I was going to hear. And I wasn't necessarily processing everything that was happening because it just didn't seem real. And so he passed away that Saturday morning. And then the next day was our 11 year anniversary. So that time of year is it's It's very bittersweet, and I can say that now, but at the time, if you just think about when I thought about it, you know, when I talked about it, it was just a wild, a wild week. Even now, when I talk about it, I feel like, you know, like I feel the emotion in my chest. But it was that whole week was just surreal. I didn't even feel like I was in my body. Um, I felt like I was watching it from outside and processing everything. You know, people are coming at you, and, you know obviously giving their condolences and, you know, trying to comfort you. And I was in a place where I was trying to process all this, but I, in my eyes at the time, I'm looking at myself, like, you're not processing this like a normal person, quote unquote, normal person who lost their husband should be. And so that's the, I guess, the short story, long, short story. So fortunately, my law firm, they were very kind and they gave me as much time as I wanted. It was a leading into a really, really busy time of year, actually the busiest time of year for what I had done as a profession. And so I took six weeks off to sort of get my life in place, figure everything out. And then I went about my business. I went back to work, got back into the grind. And it was a bit unsettling because as the face of the recruiter of a, a corporate law firm, everyone knows you. Everyone knew what happened. So not that I was faking it to some extent, but it it felt sort of odd those first few weeks walking down the halls and people, they want to say something and they do say something, but they feel uncomfortable. You feel uncomfortable. So there was a lot of that going on. But in the end, I mean, they supported me so much and I appreciated that. But as time went on, I just felt like the work I was doing just didn't resonate anymore, right? You experience a trauma like that and you think about everything so differently, like your priorities change things in your life, the way you used to look at them changes. So that's the process of the next two years after that is what sort of led me down a different path.
1: So when you were reframing everything, what was the outlook like? What, what approach did you take where you've had this major change in life, this life event that has given you a different perception of maybe health and wellness and thinking through what you're doing as a career? What was it that that you did that changed that approach? Like, how did you sort of reframe and recalibrate? Because you're still, you're doing recruiting now, but you've gone down this different path of exploration, if you want to call it that.
0: Mm-hmm. So during that first year, I won't say that a lot of things changed, right? I just went about my business and had a lot of support from family, friends. So I sort of just started living life again and moving forward. And I was the type of widow. My therapist, my grief counselor at the time called me a practical griever, which obviously I'd never heard that before. So I started thinking more of, you know, witnessing death and experiencing the loss of your partner and your spouse makes you think about mortality so much more. So I thought about, okay, well, at the time, you know, we were active, we worked out and we lived a normal, quote unquote, normal life. So to us, it came out and our families and friends, it came out of nowhere, seemingly. And I will say on the side, now knowing what I know and digging into the health and wellness space, we know nothing comes out of nowhere, right? But I started digging into just educating myself about the health and wellness space but more so well, what is affecting our health and the pandemic had a lot to do with that so i think it was the fall before the pandemic hit uh, had a conversation with the law firm about leaving and i had decided you know we decided i wanted to leave right before a summer program a summer our summer internship program because that's when the timing had worked out. So we had settled on a date. I decided that I was going to leave in May of 2020. And then I think it was March of 2020 is when the pandemic hit. And I said, you know what? If May 2020 is my end date and I had already discussed with them that I wanted to leave on that date, I'm not going to change it. I said if I don't make a change now, when am I going to make it? So nearly 2 years after my husband had passed i just didn't feel the same passion i had for my job that i used to and i think that showed honestly i felt a little bit more indifferent i wasn't excited about work anymore and uh, you know that's also not fair to a place that i had invested my time that they were investing in me so i still decided to leave my career the may of 2020 and then I had planned before the pandemic hit to take this, and I call it an e-pray love trip. I really wanted to take the summer. I wanted to visit all of my friends across the country. I actually had planned a trip to South Africa later that summer. And then obviously when the pandemic hit, I just couldn't go anywhere. But it was sort of a blessing in disguise. Because for me, it gave me the time that I didn't have to really think about okay, well, what do I want to do now? Now that I've left this career, seemingly that was like comfortable and familiar and longstanding, what do I want to do next? And because I had the time now, right? I didn't have a job anymore. I started digging more into getting my body, like just moving and fitness and exercise because it is something that I always liked. So I started doing that again on a more regular basis. I did it outside because we couldn't go to the gym. I started reading and just cooking more because takeout, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't go anywhere. So I started cooking more Um, and also just like cooking cleaner, healthier food. And then, you know, I noticed that there were changes in myself, like mentally, physically, that I really just wanted to kind of unpack some of that information just to see, like, experiment because I could. I was by myself. I was at home. Let me try these different things to see. What might work and what might not. And um, what really resonated to me was that I decided that I felt good doing all these things for myself. And those few months after work, I was very stressed out about, okay, I have to find out what my next job is going to be. What do I want to do? Do I want to do recruiting for a health and wellness company? Because that would marry the two. Or do I want to get A job doing what I did before, but at a smaller firm that might be less stressful or what have you. But it really took me about six months to figure out that, you know what, I have this time. I love learning about this health and wellness space. I started looking into different programs and I almost went into more like executive career coaching because that fell in line more with what I did previously because I worked at a law firm, you know, you'd counsel sometimes law students or lawyers at the firm. And I said, well, if I have the opportunity to dig into something that I really like, then why don't I just try this program? I did some research and I looked into different health coaching programs and I found FMCA, which is the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. And it really just resonated with me because it focuses on the things I was focusing on, right? How everything impacts our health, how stress stress management, how our connections with other people, what we're putting in our body, how we're moving our body, how we're sleeping, all of that was what I was working on. And I found it so impactful to find a program that focused on all these things, but also tied it into conventional medicine too. So I think I just rambled, but.
1: (laughs) You're not rambling at all. So you had this idea you were going to go down the path of being more of an executive coach or being more of more involved in health and wellness but what was the spark that led you back to recruiting like did that come before we had connected through levels or was it something where you're like i feel this innate need to go do this thing that i've done for so long like what did that look like when you decided that that was the thing was it timing like just serendipitous timing with levels or was it something that you had thought about as you were going through This, all of these changes with healthy cooking and uh, more physical fitness and doing things like the executive health and wellness coaching?
0: Yeah, I think for me, I always enjoyed my recruiting career. And I think that the opportunity to use those skills and still do something that was familiar to me that I was quote unquote an expert in, right? To do that at a company that their mission was what I was focused on. I think that is what triggered the opportunity because I think, like you said, I think it was a little bit of serendipity because what if I didn't participate in that community call? And what if I didn't, I didn't have to reach out and throw my name in the hat and to say that I might be interested. And Miz might not have called to say that he, like, why did he think of me for this recruiting opportunity? And I'm fortunate that he did, but I honestly think it was just timing, like being in the right place at the right time and really just putting yourself out there for things that you actually care about.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where sometimes it's a matter of interest, timing, all of these things align and it's harder to put a finger on exactly like what it is that makes all these things line up. But it's interesting to see how it's all come together because the work that you do every single day, like, I mean, you see it firsthand, you see how many candidates are coming in the pipeline for all different roles. And we've been very fortunate that the caliber of talent that has been interested in levels is world-class. Like, it's just incredible to see this support. And there's not a question that, do we even have enough frontline support? Do we have the amount of candidates that you're communicating with on a daily basis is incredible. And so it's one of those things where it's just, it's perfect timing. It's, I think a lot of serendipity as far as the inbound interest for levels and all the things going on. So it's also, we're very lucky that that we have you working with our team.
0: I mean, I was happy to jump on the opportunity because I really respect what levels is focused on and their mission. And I am, Honestly, on a daily basis, impressed by, like you said, the caliber of candidates that come through the ranks. And even just, you know, we have a regular talent pool of people who are just interested in working with levels that really just don't care what they do. They just want to be a part of the mission and part of the journey. And their backgrounds are just so impressive. And you've obviously seen a lot of them when you sit down and read these cover letters. There is so much. I've never read so many thoughtful covers and emails about how Levels has changed our lives, or they just want to be a part of it because they just believe in it so much. And the level of thought that goes into these types of applications, and you don't always see that. And so that makes you feel good about working and, and working for Levels and also just being part of the process. I think it's just fun for me because I used to work at corporate atmosphere. And also it was intriguing to get startup experience Just to kind of be in, in, I I call myself to my friends, I say I'm an insider outsider because, you know, I'm working on this like part time contract basis. And for me, it's great because it's flexible. It gives me the opportunity to finish. I'm finishing up this month my health coach certification. So that's almost done. So it gave me flexibility to work on that, to work on the levels, recruiting pipeline, and also just balance out, have a more balanced life.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because you've seen as you've been, part of the team or working with us on all of our recruiting initiatives, you've seen things change really quickly. You've seen us like migrate from platform to platform as far as where we work and the type of work that we do. But the interesting thing is that when we had the community call, I mean, everyone is part of the community, whether they work with the Levels team or Mm -hmm. not, anybody who is a community member, but you had an external lens. And some of the questions that we get sometimes are along the lines of, okay, cool. Like, yeah, that's the way it sounds from the outside, but let's hear it from the inside. You experienced it from the outside for a long enough period of time, like Mm -hmm. being a member. And then when you jumped in, what did that look like as far as like people expect sometimes I think that the curtains are going to be pulled back and it's like, there it is. There's the car without the engine or there's like, I knew it. Then when people come in, they get inside, then they're like, oh yeah, this is sort of the way things work. So like, what did that look like for you? That process of going from outside to inside? Share your experience with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I was fascinated about how transparent you guys all were about just everything, right? And I feel like there's, we use threads with just this online platform where everyone's just sharing notes and memos to each other. And you could just read all of them if you really wanted to, if you had the time. And if you wanted to, you could just <laughs> read everything going on on a daily basis. But I was just fascinated by the transparency, the fact that if you as a member of the team, if you wanted to find out what was going on with the engineers and what they were building, you could if you wanted to find out what Alan was working on in the design front and what was coming up next and not released yet, that would be cool. And then like what Sam's thinking about as far as his next memo or what the next project might be. So I think I was more fascinated by the fact that everything was out in the open and then Also the fact that, to be honest, the fact that you all put so much just trust in me to help out with the process where I just kind of walked in and I love the fact that I was able to sort of dig around and find out how things worked. If I had questions, there were resources, but I was sort of left to my own devices in a good way because I'm like, okay, well, let me figure this process out. Let's see what might work best and let me help out where I can. Um, so I think that was the couple of the most fascinating things to me, especially in the startup atmosphere, which was so wildly different than what I was used to.
1: Yeah, it's a very funny juxtaposition that you have as lived experience, meaning the information within our team is very transparent internally and externally. So everyone has access to 99% of everything aside right. from confidential information about Everyone has it. doesn't have their compensation. That's not available to everyone, right? Right. But almost every single piece of information is available internally to everyone. And then externally, a very large portion of the information that we create and share, it's shared externally with people in the public. Or if sometimes if people inbound and they say, hey, can I, I heard through a piece of content or whatever it was, I heard that you have a document about XYZ. Yeah. Is it possible to get that? And we're like, yeah, we'll add your name to it. And we'll do it. We'll share it with them temporarily. And that happens frequently. But in the world of law, litigation, everything is very much buttoned up and for good reasons. But it's very much a juxtaposition between the way information would have been shared in your previous career and then the way it is now where it's, I mean, trying to rationalize that is, I would imagine it is a hard thing to do. Except when you see it firsthand, you go, hmm, there's something interesting about transparency.
0: Yeah. You know, the one thing I will admit, though, I was admittedly a bit intimidated because even though I will say this, even though I think I'm older than most people at the company, I felt intimidated because I'm like, gosh, everyone here is young and they're smart and they're all from the startup community and fresh and quick. And I was just wondering and worried, would I be able to fit in here because it's so different than the atmosphere I was used to for so long, right? Because when you're in a career for that long, I think there's good and bad. You know, I think to some extent, sometimes your growth is stunted because either you yourself don't push yourself because you're comfortable or you need a change, but you're not ready or willing to make the change. And I think that was something that I battled with initially because I'm like, oh, like, I don't know what, I'm like, I don't know what, did they think I know what I'm doing here? But, you know, honestly, it was a nice transition in because I feel like I was able to add a little bit of value because it was growing quickly and just thoughtfully. But there were things that just people needed help with, especially on the recruiting front that I think someone like Miz wasn't able to handle because he had so much on the operations side.
1: Yeah, it gets so, our time gets spread very thin, very quickly if we are all operating laterally and wide, right? There's a number of things that just as a company is getting built that everyone is going to have some, it doesn't mean everyone has involvement in it because there's 20 people all involved in one thing and 20 people in the next thing. It's that there might be a hundred things going on that each have two to four people that are working on that. But as soon as you start to look at that, the web, the network of all of these interrelated projects, Wow, that's a lot of things. And so, having the nth project get added, and that's where we talk a lot about this idea of project debt, where it's like, mm-hmm. it would be great to focus on people ops, but I don't have any more bandwidth to do it. And so, then that's when we have to think about how do we grow and build the team. But it's interesting you brought up that idea of intimidation and imposter syndrome because I think it comes up. It's a very common thread. It's a common thread that you hear amongst the entire team, with the exception that we all look up to each other with the sense of admiration and learn from each other, but we all sort of feel the sense of, I think it can be hard. Like we hear it all the time when people join the team, they're like, well, it's, it feels intimidating because it's this tight group of smart people and everybody is, once the curtains are pulled back, I think people realize like everyone's just trying to figure it out. There's no silver bullet. There's no secret sauce. No one is going, I've got it all figured out. It's a matter of building companies is just inherently hard. Building companies from the ground up. It's not an easy path. And maybe that's a misconception, is it, from the outside, especially with very, very visible brands, right? Like Mm -hmm. levels is a visible brand externally. It's just, it's something that we're lucky that we get a lot of user generated content and a lot of engagement out of the product and people. We'll talk about it, but I think externally people can, they look and they go, oh, it's such a polished and a tight brand and look at that company, but it's hard. It's not easy building companies. And I think it's something that we don't take for granted that we just think, oh, we're on a great path and it's smooth sailing. We know it is not an easy thing to do. So it's all hands on deck to constantly figure it out every single day.
0: Yeah, and being the insider outsider, people work hard, but they also have this nice balance in their life. And regarding the imposter syndrome, I think it's so natural. I talk about it because going to this, a completely different career as a health coach, it's so different than what I did. And of course I have it and I'll admit I have it, but I think it's an opportunity to use it to your advantage and sort of prove to yourself that you can do what you've been trained to do, what you've been focused on, what you have passion about. I think And this is might be a random tie-in, but I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this podcast, but I feel like meaning and purpose resonates so much because the people on this team, there's purpose behind what they're doing, right? It's not just a job. They believe in the job that they're working on, the job that they're working towards. And I think that is so important when you have a career. And if you don't necessarily have it, I think it's important to either find it in the current role that you have, because there's always ways to find purpose in your job. You've maybe lost that, but, and if you can't find it, then find something else that kind of drives that passion for you because it feels so different. I will say that.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things where if you're inherently interested in what you're doing every single day, it doesn't matter what it is that you're interested in. If that has a deep amount of meaning to you, then you don't really work. Like you don't feel like you get up and you're being pulled to this thing that you don't want to do because it's challenging, it's stimulating, it aligns with your values, and that makes it a lot easier. Now tie in this idea of imposter syndrome. If a person has that, so let's use professional sports. I always think about this YouTube video that Ray Lewis He was on some NFL team, which I will not say because I do not follow sports closely enough Mm -hmm. to remember. But he talks about effort and he said, like, I wasn't the best. I wasn't the number one recruit. I wasn't the best guy on the field, but no one could replace my effort. I would try the Mm -hmm. hardest. That's one thing. And I think that even if you have a sense of how to be a good teammate or how to contribute, no one's going to fault somebody for effort. And so Mm -hmm. if a person thinks like, oh, am I good enough to be, let's use in your case, like, am I good enough to be recruiting? Or am I good enough to be doing job XYZ? Putting forth the effort is what matters, right? It's like everybody recognizes that it's like, are you interested? Are you putting forth the effort? Do you really care? Like, are you trying to make that incremental difference every day? It's not exponentially making difference, we're incrementally making a difference and that incremental difference ends up being exponential in compounding day over day, right? And that's what gets us forward. That's what gets us to the next path of what we're doing. And it only happens as a tight team unit and an interwoven web of all these nodes in the network.
0: You're right. No, I, I mean, I totally agree because once you integrate that part of the equation into a culture, I feel like it runs so much differently. And sometimes, depending on what job you're doing, you lose sight of that or the team loses sight of that. And once you layer it back in, I feel like it makes your teammates and your team members work differently, more thoughtfully, more engaged, a bit more excited, too. So I think it's important to remember that when you're building a team, which I think you guys do. But seeing it in um, a work in progress and on an active basis is pretty cool.
1: So if you think about this idea of we've got work in progress as it relates to career and you have been on this health and wellness journey for as a member, community member for roughly a year now, right? Yeah. Um, February of last year and February of this year. So Mm -hmm. we'll say you're going on your 13th month as a Levels member. What does that look like as far as Maybe some of the behavioral changes you've made or the way that you're thinking about your own health now that you've had this dashboard in front of you saying like, here's the outcome. Here's how food affects your health with all your lifestyle decisions.
0: Yeah. When I started this health journey, obviously I looked into different things like different foods to eat and what I thought was good. And I started experimenting with, well, what makes me physically makes me feel good because sometimes I feel like we ignore those things. And then when I started using Levels, and I started first just eating normally, right? The first couple of weeks, you eat normally and see how that affects your levels and your glucose. And then you start experimenting with different things, right? So I think for me, what I found was I found that certain foods would be completely fine, but also certain foods that I maybe grew up eating completely just would spike my glucose. And I think. As far as using the data that I learned, I would now thoughtfully just say, "Okay, well, I found out that I can't always eat a sandwich. I used to eat a sandwich probably almost every day in the cafeteria at my law firm. Or sometimes I'd go into work. I take the. Fa- I live in in New Jersey. I would take the ferry in. If I was in a rush, I'd grab a muffin and a coffee and just sit at my desk. And then you know what happens when you eat something like that first thing in the morning? You just crash." And I didn't think anything of it. Obviously, I knew it wasn't healthy, but I didn't think it was doing much damage. But using levels for a whole year, I learned how to eat in a more thoughtful way, how to combine foods in a way that maybe would not cause spikes that I didn't want to happen. I also just learned how to talk to people in my family about what they were eating. And the thing is, it's hard when you are digging into this, eating healthier in the health and wellness space and you've changed drastically maybe than how you've either grown up or how you're showing up, it's challenging when people in your life maybe haven't and they're used to you being the type of person that would just eat a burger and fries or just eat, you know, like a bowl of pasta. So obviously I still allow myself to do those things once in a while. But I think what's happened with Levels is that I've become a more thoughtful person about what I'm putting in my body because I know how it affects it and how I feel afterwards. So losing levels for the last year has allowed me to be more thoughtful about what I'm eating. It has allowed me to know how my body changes based on what I eat because now I can say, oh, I think this is why I'm not feeling well. Like this is why I have some brain fog this afternoon. This is why I feel a little jittery. And I just appreciate now having that knowledge because. I know what to do with it.
1: So what does your balance look like? And I only ask because we're all human. We're all imperfect. We're all susceptible to influence, right? Outside influence that might be friends and family. We're all susceptible to triggers. Like there are certain things. It doesn't matter how great our willpower is. There will be, there's this idea of balance, right? We never want people to feel that they're depriving themselves, We want positive behavior change, but the balance comes from knowing what the implications of certain decisions are going to be. And that's entirely okay. It's that we want to create the positive feedback loop or the the behavior change where people go, okay, I used to eat to your point about the sandwich. I used to have that every single day, oatmeal for breakfast, sandwich for lunch. Now I understand that that might not be beneficial to the way that I feel and the way that I navigate the world throughout a day, but What does your balance look like as far as some of these changes that you made? And then when you do have, we'll call it the desire. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. When you do have the desire to dig in, like, what does that look like for you? And I only ask because it's very subjective and everyone Mm -hmm. has different air quotes balance.
0: No, I think balance is important. And I also just think being kind to yourself is also important because I think when you are digging into this space and you're focused on just nutrition and putting real whole foods in your body and not eating refined sugars, and there's a lot of pressure, right? And also, now that I'm doing this as a profession, I feel like the lens is almost a bit more magnified because, like, oh, well, she probably doesn't eat cookies and she doesn't eat pasta or she's not going (laughs) to eat french fries. I will say that I do try to. I don't try. During the week, I do eat pretty cleanly. So I try to eat whole foods, I try to eat organic pasture meats, lots of vegetables. But if I'm craving and I will crave, like I have a sometimes a sweet tooth. If I'm craving, and I love pastries, I'm not necessarily a cookie person or cake person, but I love pastries. And so if I'm craving a pastry for whatever reason, I'm gonna allow myself to have it and I know I'm gonna have that crash afterwards, but I'm okay with it. I know it's gonna be this temporary feeling of like a high from having it and then kind of a low after crashing after the sugar rush. But I feel like you have to sort of have that healthy balance in your mind that, okay, well, if I'm eating, you know, healthy or well for a certain part of the week, then if I wanna treat myself, that's okay. And I think it's important to be okay with those human needs, right? Because We've all grown up eating certain things, and I'm sorry, but it seems impossible to sort of get rid of them at all 100%. I think you have to give yourself time. And I call them, you know, how some people call them cheat meals. I call them treat meals, right? If I'm going to have a cheeseburger, a bacon cheeseburger with french fries, then it's a treat. It's not a cheat to me because I'm treating myself. And if you're, especially if you're having it with friends and family, I feel like having good food and connection is important too. I feel like almost that connection with respect to just holidays or family gatherings, having that happiness and positivity around the food that may or may not be that healthy is okay because you're sort of balancing it out. So, I think the important part to remember is that if you are concerned and focused on eating a healthier diet, it's really just what is working in your life, what will make you feel better, both mentally and physically, and then just balancing it out. It doesn't happen overnight and it takes time to adjust and to transition. But if it's important and you want to do it, great. I feel like it's had a huge impact in my life, just the way I feel mentally and physically, especially after I lost my husband, because I feel like you need to work on both of those aspects or all of those aspects to kind of live a healthier lifestyle.
1: When you're thinking about balance, you mentioned that it's more of a like during the week or during the day, right? It's Mm -hmm. you've got this conscious effort. Is it because of knowing the implications of if I have the pastry at 9am, then I'm going to be doing the head nod on the keyboard? Is that a conscious thing or is it? How do you think about that sense of balance? When you decide to do things, do you have sort of like a framework or a Personal algorithm that you use for it's like, okay, cool, never at this time. Like, and uh, again, air quotes, never, relatively never at this time, but these times are open game. Is that, do you think about that?
0: I don't have, it's funny, I don't have specific times of day. I think it just depends. Sometimes I feel like some days, or most days I will, I have a routine and I like being able to stick to it. And I enjoy the fact that I'm fortunate that I can stick to this morning routine. And I usually just get up and sometimes I journal, sometimes I meditate, I'll read and then I'll work out. And then I won't usually eat because most of the time I'll do some time-restricted feeding, like intermittent fasting. And I won't, um, and I don't do that on a consistent basis either. I tried it for a while, but I feel like you need to be flexible sometimes. I feel like I allow myself to kind of listen to my body. So I love eggs. So usually when I eat lunch or break a fast, it's usually like eggs and vegetables. Like I switched over to, for the most part, some gluten-free, like a base culture bread or something like that and avocado toast. And I realized that, you know what? That does not spike my blood sugar at all. And I shifted that because that actually used to be my breakfast anyway, but I was eating maybe like Ezekiel bread, which is lower on the glycemic scale, but still spiked a little or just regular bread. I just, I love bread. So I noticed that it's not always a formula, but I noticed that I feel better eating a certain way. And then if I'm going into the day, just like feeling good and I want to keep feeling good, then I'll just continue that process. But if sometimes I'm like, oh. There's also just emotional eating sometimes, right? If you're having a stressful day, honestly, I thought about, I'm like, oh, should I get a treat before I talk to Ben? But I knew that if I had that treat, I would mm-hmm. totally crash and probably flop or nap during our, our podcast. So I said, no, I'm gonna have a healthy, nutritious meal. I'm gonna have lots of water. Like keep it even keel. I had a chia seed pudding this morning because that's over the last, I don't know how long now, maybe like six months. That's been like the snack or the breakfast because. It tastes good. And to me, it fills me up and it makes me feel good. So I think it just, it changes for the most part. It's not always like an exact science as to what you're supposed to eat, but you kind of have to eat what makes you feel good and listen to yourself. Funny because I listened to the one where you and Josh and Sam were talking about the podcast and just like the reasoning behind it. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you're not trying to, I think it's different, right? You're not trying to, satisfy any one audience. So in doing that, you have more freedom to sort of dabble in different things, see what sticks, what doesn't, but something is going to resonate with someone.
1: Uh, That's exactly And like the the idea, a couple of things have transpired is it's been an unbelievable recruiting tool. Like -hmm. the number of people that are like, I want to work with the team because I feel like I know you, I feel like I trust you. And then what you find is that because there's more content out there people pick and choose what they wanna listen to instead of it being like, they feel like they need to listen to everyone. In the end, they end up probably listening to more than they would. Or even if they listen to less, they get more engagement of the ones they do listen to because they're like, that was worth my time.